Praise God. There is so much going on in the house of God. You guys realize that? Some amazing classes that are getting ready to go on. Uh, People getting sent out, getting trained, getting equipped. Joel and Brian down in Honduras doing great. They've arrived and loving the hot humidity down there, sweating like crazy and ministering to kids. And if you've went on Facebook, I'm sure you've seen some great pictures of them loving on children. So God's just doing some amazing work and uh, he wants to use you and I. You guys realize that? And so if you're here, I hope and pray you're seeking God on. God, what is my part to play in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? Because each one of us have a part to play. And really today, I know it took a lot of time debuting classes and people talking about what they're doing. I realize it takes a a lot of time because every person has a real passion in the area that they're talking about. But it is so critical that each person plays their part in what God has. Can I have an amen on that? And so we've been on this series about being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about it for several weeks. I'm excited. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. There's power. There's things happening in people's lives. And we need the supernatural power and presence of Holy Ghost, don't we? And we need to be awakened. I really wished that the, 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 the rain wouldn't have brought the ice in because I'm really excited about this message. I really wish more people would have heard it. I hope they go to the podcast because I'm telling you what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the incarnation of Christ today as we approach Christmas, as we're talking about Christmas, as we're a week away from Christmas. This doctrine of the incarnation of Christ is really a critical piece of the puzzle and how Holy Spirit was part of the incarnation and the process of what God did to bring Christ to the earth. And so we're going to read several scriptures. I don't have my clicker, so they're going to have to click along with me. But if we'll start, I'm going to go right into it because we have a limited time. But again, your Bibles get into Matthew right away, the first chapter. We're going to be in Matthew and Luke. We're going to be in Galatians. We're going to be all over the map today. But we're going to talk today about the birth of Christ. We're going to talk about the conception of Christ. We're going to talk about it from the, the scriptural standpoint. And I'm going to talk about the importance of this. Uh, uh, this incarnation of Christ, not a word we use a lot. But everybody first with me, I want to just say one word. Say the word, duh. Duh. How do you spell duh? D-U-H. By the end of this service, you're going to know what duh means, okay? So this is real, I'm I'm kind of playing a a little game with you with words, but I believe as you leave today, you're going to remember the message through the word duh. Everybody say duh. When I, was a, when I was a young guy, my, my sister had a baby. His name was Paul. That was the first word I taught him. She really appreciated it, but I'd go to my little nephew, Paul, and I'd say, duh, air kick, duh. And he would go, duh. <laughs> and so by the end of the service today, you guys are going to know what duh means, okay? But we're going to go somewhere today, and I'm, I'm hoping it helps you remember. So let's read this. This is a powerful Uh, passage about the birth of Jesus Christ, the celebration that we're going to have this next week. This is how it came. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, in other words, you know what that means, before they had sex, let's just say what it is, she was found to be with child already through the Holy Spirit. 
And because Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. We're going to go to the next person, passage. They, he was betrothed to her. He had committed. He had already paid the dowry for her. He was, he was committed to marry her. And in those days, he, it had not been consummated yet, but he had thought to take her and have her divorced quietly. But what happened, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Remember that, people from their sins. Next, go on. We're going to go to Luke now. This is Luke's rendition of the same thing. I'm going to hit both of these. But the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of, God, of Jacob forever. His kingdom, it will never, ever end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Amen. And the next passage we're going to quickly go through is Matthew 1.23. And again, the virgin will conceive. And she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Everybody say, God with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. So what is the incarnation of Christ? That is not a word that you and I go around saying, hey, Isaac, you want some incarnation, dude? I mean, it's not something, it's not a word you guys use in your vocabulary. Anybody used incarnation lately? No. Now, there is a word that we hear talked about a little bit. What's the word we kind of hear that's, that's close to it? Reincarnation is a term that we hear. And that word there means that incarnation is the belief that when a person dies and leaves this outer body, in reincarnation is the belief that your, your, your spirit comes back into another body or person. Or thing, so you can come back in a cat, or you can come back in a, and be another person. We know that's hogwash, right? We realize that's unbiblical and demonic. That, that when you die, you 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 are a spirit man, and you either go to heaven or hell based upon whether you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, right? And so there is no reincarnation. But what is? incarnation and so i want to talk about that briefly a little bit as we progress but it is the christian doctrine that the second person of the trinity jesus took on human form in the person of jesus christ and is completely both god and man everybody say god and man, god and man. jesus being in heaven with the father by holy spirit comes and becomes flesh. He becomes a man. So the incarnation is literally that deity God comes and he becomes man. It's the incarnation of Christ. So that's the term that we're talking about today. And the incarnation of our Lord in the human flesh is one of the greatest 
I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest single events in history. It's one of the single greatest events in history that Jesus Christ in heaven chooses to humble himself, comes conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary and becomes the God-man. Supernatural. We're talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit becoming the Father in conception. Now you want to talk about going against all that's natural in how a woman becomes pregnant. Now let's, let's think about this. I mean, we're not going to get, have a biology lesson here with Eric today, so don't worry about that. But just think about the fact that she says, how can this be, for I am a virgin. I, I, how is this going to happen? And the angel Gabriel tells her, hey, hey, baby cakes, Holy Ghost is going to come on you. He's going to overshadow you, and conception is going to happen by Holy Ghost. <laughs> Mary says, how can this be, man? I don't know. understand that. I mean, wow, Holy Spirit was the power or the action behind God. Remember, we talked about that through the Old Testament. Every time we've seen Holy Spirit show up through the Old and the New Testament, something always happens. There's always evidence of Holy Spirit. Whether it's getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and you get uh, your heavenly language, whether you speak the Word of God boldly, whether what, there is always evidence when Holy Ghost shows up. Always. Everybody say always. always. If there's no evidence in you, he ain't showed up yet. Because when Holy Ghost shows up, something always happens. Holy Spirit is the power behind God. And he was the power behind conception. And conception occurred in Mary as the Holy Spirit came upon her, overshadowed her. The power of God entered her, her uterus. It entered her fallopial tubes. The egg was fertilized by the Holy Ghost. Amen. The very sperma of God entered into her, the seed of God, by the Holy Spirit. That's the incarnation of God. That's the incarnation of Christ. That's good news. Holy Spirit took the part of the Father in conception. Think about that. Holy Spirit took the place of Father, the Father, the man, in impregnating Mary. You guys are quiet. Christ's conception and birth is a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, the birth and conception of Christ is evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had a mother, and it was mother, my mother Mary, Mary. And so as of mother, Jesus took, partook of our of flesh through her, and he became human through her, and God the Father was his father, and he partakes of the deity of God. He is God. And so, incarnation is these two divine and natural, divine and human coming into one. Are you with me? 
It's a powerful thing, and I'm going to get into it. I'm kind of moving a little quick, but please, if you're going to be taking notes, I'm going to make three points today that I think you're going to want to put down in your notes. So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to get that stuff out right now. So Jesus had a human mother, and he had God as his Father through the Holy Spirit. So incarnation, again, is, this, is Jesus being God. He comes through conception by the Holy Spirit and takes on human form, and he becomes a man. God becomes a man. Everybody say it. God becomes a man. Incarnation, God becomes a man. Incarnation, God becomes a man. That's what incarnation is. God becomes a man. And there's some significance to this as we go today in the message. And the power of the Holy Spirit is so a part of all of this. So this is why in scripture, in scriptures, I had many, many years ago, this was, I was just starting in the ministry and I was very young and I was very, not even really sound theologically because I was growing in my walk with God. And I had a young guy who was not a Christian and he came to me and said, Eric, I want to meet with you. I just don't get it. Why, why, why in the Bible do they call him son of God and son of man? Why, why is this? And this is why. This is why in the Bible he, he talks about Christ as being the son of God and the son of man. Because he was both God and he was both man. Okay? It's simple, but that is why, why I didn't, I looked at him like, hmm, I got to think about that. Well, I did, and I went red, and it's like, duh. This is why, and I shared the incarnation of Christ and how he was both God and man. And so it's really important. Many people get confused in the, in the Bible. Even Jesus himself referred to himself more as the son of man than he did the son of God. You guys realize that? He actually called himself the son of man more than he called himself the son of God. Now I'm going to get into today... There's three facts about the incarnation of Christ that I think are very, very important for us as believers to understand. And it's, very, it's, going, and it's going to make sense as I go through this, but the inc- so, so why, what is, we, we've talked about what is the incarnation of Christ, but what is so important about the incarnation of Christ? And so I'm going to make three points. I'm going to, I'm going to first tell you the three points that I'm going to make. And then I'm going to explain each of those three points. So if you want to do like point one, point two, point three, make sure you leave yourself some space in there because I'm going to give you scriptures today and we're going to talk about what is so significant about the incarnation of Christ and how it mean, what it means to us as believers today as we get ready to celebrate the birth of Christ. Are you guys with me? So number one, and this is where the duh comes in. Everybody say duh. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you them in a certain order that doesn't spell duh, but by the end of, the, but the end of my message, I'm going to spell duh, okay? But you're going to, so you don't get thinking, wow, he really messed that up. I did this on purpose because there is a sequence to truth that I'm going to give you. The sequence of truth that I'm going to give you is one, two, three, and then I'm going to mess, mess it around. So the, the D today represents, the first fact is the divine person of Jesus Christ. That's point one. Everybody say, divine person of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's point one. Point two today is the human nature of Christ. The human nature of Christ. And then point three that we're going to go into is the union of the human with the divine person, Jesus Christ. 
So the third point, again, is the union, say union, union. of the human with the divine person, Jesus Christ. So D-H-U is the, the way we're going right now. Divine, human, and you as union. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna switch those around here in a little bit, and it'll make sense. So I want to talk first about number one, which I've alluded to already a little bit, is this the divine, the divine person of Jesus Christ. This is really, really, really important today, you guys, because this in our culture is being attacked like crazy. I want you to hear me. Jesus is God. Hear me. Jesus is God. Divine. He is divine. Everybody say it. He is divine. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. And His divinity is in question in our culture. Now let's read a passage that I want to show you. I could give you multitudes. We're going to pick one or two. We're going to start with Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to talk about his divinity out of Ephesians 2, 6 through 11. So, look at this. Who, being in very nature, we're talking about Jesus. Who, being in very nature God. In his very nature, he was God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth, because those in hell will bow before the King of glory. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now go back, if you will, that Chad, that, that passage before, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Listen, friends, when Jesus came to the earth, he was fully God, he was fully deity, he was fully divine. But he chose to put his divinity and not to be equal, equal with God to take... Because he did not want to take advantage of his deity because he was wanting to become the son of man so that you were without excuse on what he was going to do through you and in you in the days to come. He was going to show us that he was, yes, God, but he was wanting to do something in you and show you that this life that we're living right now can be lived at a much higher level than you are currently living. That there are things that you are capable of that are of the divine nature if you will tap into the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit you can do things much more further down the road than you currently are living. But he chose to stay a man in this process. He humbled himself and he became nothing. Aren't you glad he did that? 
he became nothing. So he is divine. He is God. And some people really struggle with that. And this is why the incarnation, the doctrine of incarnation is so important. And it separates Christianity from every cult and every other religion. This is where Jews, Muslims, Unitarians, Jehovah Witnesses, and many others have difficulties and they struggle in their, what they say because they dismiss the divinity of Christ. They don't believe in the divinity of Christ. They do not believe. They denounce the incarnation of Christ and his virgin birth. They do not believe that Jesus is deity, that Jesus is God. And you, my friends, need to know what you believe. Because in this culture, it's going to get attacked. Matter of fact, in 1977, many, many theologians came together. And they did essays and they did these, these articles. And it was published under, the, I'm going to give you the title, but these theologians, religious men who confess, I don't know how they confess it, but they literally published this article and it's widespread and it's called The Myth of God Incarnate. The Myth of God Incarnate. The Myth of the Incarnation of our Lord and Savior. Within these writings, they have dismissed his incarnation, they have dismissed his virgin birth, and they've called it a myth. They even state that the miracles of Jesus must be repudiated because miracles do not happen. Everybody say with me, duh. 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 John 1, 1, I'm going to go there. I hadn't had it in my notes, but you cannot say that Jesus is not God without going to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. They are talking about Jesus, the living Word. He became the living Word. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. That has not been made in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. We talked about that today. But the darkness had not understood it. There came a man who talks about John. But then down in verse 14, the word became flesh. Everybody say flesh. The word became human. And made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth and again i go back to chapter one verse one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning he is the living word friends he is the living word, friends. Jesus is the living, and it's what separates cults from Christianity. So everybody with me, Jesus is divine. Jesus is divine. D of duh stands for Jesus is divine. Jesus is divine. He is God. He is God in the flesh. 
Amen. You guys with me? So now we're going to go to point number two. H, human nature. The human nature of Christ. Jesus, in John chapter 1, 14, it says the word, we just said it, the word became flesh. And here's what we, we really need to realize is because Jesus chose to humble himself and become a man, he was subjected to the exact same weaknesses that you have. He got hungry. He had pain. He got tired and fatigued. He had the same human weaknesses that your body had. He chose to become weakness. He had pain. He had hunger. He experienced death. He assumed all of these things. He bore all of our weaknesses. He became the weakness of the flesh without sin. He chose to become weakness for a reason and for a purpose. But he did it without sin. He had temptation come to him, just like you have temptation come to you, and he resisted and said, no. I am about my father's business. He was both God and he was both man. But his humanity made a choice to hear and listen to the voice of God. He, he chose to only do what he heard his father doing and saying. And we all the time don't do that. But do you believe you can? Because part of the power of the incarnation that we're going to get to is you have the power to overcome. You have the power to live victorious. And that's good news, by the way. <laughs> so let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. And we're going to talk about this human nature of Christ. But when the fullness of time came, you remember what we talked about, 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Man, that is called the fullness of time, brothers and sisters. Is anybody alive out there? I mean, that's a full time. After 400 years of silence, Jesus is coming on the scene. The Holy Ghost is showing up. And in the fullness, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem, everybody say redeem, redeem. those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions, adoption as sons. So again, God sent his son, born of a woman, born of human nature, without sin, though, to redeem fallen man. Anybody believe they're redeemed? So why is this so important? So why is this so important? Remember the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, what had to take place in order for somebody to be redeemed and forgiven? The atonement, the sacrifice. What had to be shed? Blood. That the blood was required every year they had to atone for their sins to be forgiven. You guys remember that? So the law of Moses required blood to be shed. Jesus had to become human in order for blood be shed now think about that 
He was the fulfillment of the law. Isn't that what the Word of God says? In order for the sacrifice of the cross to be effective for human sins to be removed or conquered, he became a man so he could save us from our sins. He had to become human because humans have blood. The blood of Christ was shed for you, but he had to become human in order to do it. The incarnation of Christ had to happen. They weren't looking for it in the Old Testament. They weren't looking for that way of atonement. This is so beautiful. He became a man so he could save us from our sins. He became a man in order to redeem you. He became a man to offer his blood as a living sacrifice for the conquering of sin, for the destruction of sin and its consequences over your life. Not every year, but once for all. Once for all. So when I come to the house of God. And yes, I'm reminded of my immaturity and I'm reminded of where I fall short and the enemy tries to condemn me and shame me and condemn me and shame me. I can say, oh, no, 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 no. Because I have the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to my life. It has removed the reproach of my sin. You will not condemn me, Satan. For I am adopted as a son of the Most High. And he gave his blood for me. Can anybody say amen? amen? Because the blood was to eliminate sin and to bring redemption, redemption and to remove sin were the two primary things or the primary purposes of the incarnation. The two primary things were redemption and, 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 and de, 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 redemption and to eliminate sin. So let's read Hebrews 10, 10. And let's see what the word says. Is that true? Yes, Hebrews 10, 10 says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. What's that say? Complete. The incarnation of our God. God in the flesh brought about the very sacrifice that you can shout glory hallelujah to. Yeah. Yeah. Once for all, human form, human body, had to have a human body to have blood to sacrifice. Do you guys see that? Duh. H, the human nature of Christ. He literally became man. D, his divinity. He is God. He is God. H, human nature. He became the son of man to redeem us. And Jesus had to become human to accomplish the removal of our sins. 
Matter of fact, the angel in Matthew that we read the very first scripture this morning said, he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. He will save Alex Fulton from his sins. He will save Sean Dent from his sins. He will save Christy. He will save Jeff. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you from your sins because he took on human nature and shed his natural blood for your sins. Yeah. Makes me want to dance. <laughs> Duh! Duh. No greater love has ever been seen than the love that would cause the Son of God to leave heaven to become the Son of Man to redeem Adam's sinful line. No greater love has been seen that God in His beauty, God in His love, that Jesus would leave heaven and be incarnate in flesh. The incarnation is truly the fulfillment of the love of God. Of his desire and his dream to be present and living with you. Oh, please hear me. This is a profound mystery. This is a profound revelation that you need to go home and meditate on. If you don't go home and meditate on, it'll just say, oh, that was a good message. Oh, the incarnation of Christ. Oh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. But when you get the revelation in your heart about what has been done for you and the love that was behind it, it'll radically change your life. Because this shows his deep love and desire to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. See, God wants to be with us. God wants to live with us. He wants to be in you. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit no longer was a thing of being upon you like the Old Testament, but Holy Spirit God being in you. That's why we want to be filled and filled again and filled again. Can I have an amen on that? So let's talk about the you. As we're running out of time. Everybody say duh again. So we've got D, divine, the divine person, Jesus Christ. We have H, his human nature of Christ. And now we have the U, which stands for what? United. The union of the divine with the human, the incarnation. Christian doctrine expresses the conviction that God has made himself fully known, specifically and personally, by taking our human nature on and the likeness, he's at, literally taken our human nature and our likeness into himself through Christ. That literally, by taking on human nature and our likeness, his, his, our human nature with his divine nature, by becoming among us as a man, without ceasing to be eternally infinite God. So he takes on this union. He, there's this union between divine and human that takes place in Christ that does not make him inf, not infinitely eternal God, but he becomes the two in one. 
they become unified. He is both God and He is both man. He is divine and He is human. Again, Philippians 2 says, He was in nature God, but humbled Himself, made in human likeness. Jesus literally united the divine with the human. And I want to talk about what that means for us. As we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, this is really huge in the incarnation of Christ. It really is a huge deal that has been lost in American Christianity. Because we celebrate Christmas and we go through it, oh, praise God, the birth of Christ, the incarnation of Christ, we sing about it, and nobody has a clue what they believe. No one has a clue of the th theological foundation about what it really means. And so I want to show this next slide. And this is where we're going to kind of stop today is the duh. So everybody put that together, duh. Divine, united, human. I'm going to explain this a little bit. Divinely united, human. Now, I'm saying this Number one, to get you to remember that Jesus was divine, that he was uniting the human, humanity of the flesh. But this means something to us, and it's very important for us. He was divine, and he was human, and he united the two together for us. And we are to do the same. We are to follow his example. I get to partake of his divine while being fully human. I get to partake. You get to partake of his divine nature, his divinity of who he is, and you get to be fully na uh, natural as well, human. You get to become divinely united human you become a divinely united human now i'm not saying that you are divine i am not saying you are a god so do not hear me say you are a little god that's not what i'm saying did everybody hear that i'm saying just like jesus who was incarnate in he was deity and he was natural human he united the two to pave a way for you to become like him. Yeah. Duh. That not only is Jesus divine and not only is he human, but he united the two together to become one new man. Yeah. To become the one new man for you. So that you are without excuse. That you do not have to live below your potential. But you can come together with him and go, I can, I can partake of the very divine nature of my God even though I am in flesh. And I do not have to be overcome by my flesh, but I can live victorious through my God. That is serious stuff. If you don't believe that, you will always stay below your potential. If you do not believe that you can partake of the heavenly and become something different, you will always stay in sin. You will always stay in the flesh because you do not believe that I can become divinely united human by the supernatural power and presence of Holy Ghost. 
that he can come and he can come inside of me and he can give me the power to be that. Amen. Man, that's shouting grounds. Because God is wanting to take me back to his original intention. His original, we talked about restore today. She, she gave you the definition of restore. To take you back, you were created for dominion. You were created to, to advance the kingdom of heaven outside of the garden. And to display the kingdom of heaven throughout the world. You were created to be divinely united human. You were caused to be supernatural. You were created supernatural. I'm telling you, that's who you are. We're going back to being supernatural people. Taking away the curse, taking away the crap of what the enemy brought in, and we're bringing the kingdom of heaven through us. Ooh, you're giving me shivers. I'm declaring something. You said declare something earlier, Tina. Where'd she go? I hope this is what it was. So he came from the spirit, the divine, to the flesh, human, and he takes us from the flesh, human, to the spirit, divine. He was divine to human, and he's taking us from human to divine. Not that I'm going to become a god, but that I become like God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, by the way. So, he's paved the way for you to be an overcomer. He's paved the way for you to be supernatural. He's paved the way through his incarnation. Duh. Duh. Everybody say duh. What does D stand for? Who's divine? What's the U? He united, the, he united it to what? The human part of us. And I am to become divinely united human in his power. Does that make any sense? Am I confusing thing? I tried to use an acronym to help us remember this, guys. Because what we're doing is we're not remembering. We're not meditating. We're not taking it out further than this walls of this church. And we've got to get the word of God. And we've got to know what the incarnation is. As we celebrate Christmas and you realize the celebration that we're getting ready to go through, it is powerful what the Holy Spirit did. It's amazing what God did in sending his son. And it's amazing that he removed our sins and he conquered it for us so that we literally can live in victory. There is less sin in my life now than there was 20 years ago. Because I'm connecting to the divine. I'm connecting to the vein. I'm staying connected to the vine. <laughs> he, is the, he is the vine and I'm a branch. Am I perfect? No. Do I have issues? Yes. Do you have issues? Yes. But we are becoming divinely united human. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. One of the quotes from Bill uh, Johnson that I, I want to quote before we leave today. And I thought it was, it really does kind of talk about this whole incarnation of Christ and, and us. But this is what he said. Jesus said that the Son can do nothing. Remember when Jesus said that, that the Son can do nothing except that what he hears from the Father he does? Do you remember that? 
Jesus said the son can do nothing. And here's, what, here, here's his quote. Jesus chose to have no supernatural capabilities while he is 100% God. He chose to live with the same limitations that man would face. If he performed miracles as God, then they would be unattainable for us. Did you hear that? If he performed miracles as God, then they would be unattainable for us because we're not God. However, if he did them as a man, I am responsible to pursue that lifestyle. God could have destroyed the devil and his entire host with one word. God could have destroyed the devil and his entire host with one word. Jesus could have done it with one word as he was being tempted in the desert. Satan even said, call the legion of angels to come save you. And Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but upon every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So God could have destroyed the work of the devil and his entire host with one word, but instead... He chose to defeat darkness through you. Through you. Through you becoming divinely united human. For you to become the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Ghost. He chose you to defeat darkness. And we can't sit back on our heels and wait for God to do stuff. We can't just say, well, if you want to, I'm waiting on you. No, he wants to use you to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Greater things shall you do than I have done. That scripture just blows me away. How would Jesus say that to his disciples and to us, that we're going to actually do more and greater things than him? I mean, come on, church. Wake. I mean, really? So is that just a pipe dream? No, Jesus meant it. Because he chose to use us. And he paved the way, the example of being divine, being human, and uniting the two as one so that you could as well. That's good news to me. If you don't think that's good news, you need to take your pulse. Stand up with me, if you would. You've been a great audience. (laughs) Duh. Are you going to remember that? Because I'm telling you, this doctrine of the incarnation of Christ is being attacked in this in your generation, guys, you young ones. I'm telling you, people don't believe in the incarnation and the deity of Christ. And we've got to know. We've got to know what the Word of God says. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. And we've got to realize that God's wanting to move us greater into the being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, being under the influence 
of his divine nature and our human nature and be bringing the two together to do great things for the kingdom of heaven. So, Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that, wow, why didn't we think of this? Duh. You, you really are God. Jesus, you are God. You are God the Son. You are God the Father. You are God the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate that as we move into Christmas, Lord. Lord, let us not take Christmas for granted, Lord, please. Lord, I pray as a people, as a, a people in this city, in this region, that we wouldn't just go through Christmas and buy presents and say, Happy birthday, Jesus. But that we would really see the supernatural event of the incarnation where, Holy Spirit, you brought forth conception into Mary. And you brought the God-man, the one true Adam, where you made, took divinity with humanity and you made him one for us. What love you have for us. I thank you for your love that you sent your son. Thank you. Thank you as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Thank you for sending your one and only son. That whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. So, Lord, we want to celebrate the birth of Christ. We want to celebrate. I thank you that Donald Trump said we're going to say Merry Christmas again. I thank you, God, that we're going to bring Christ back to Christmas in this nation again. I thank you that this nation is going to turn. I thank you that this nation belongs to you. And I pray, God, begin with us in the house of God. Stir our hearts. Stir our devotion. Stir the Holy Ghost inside of us. That we might fall in love with you all over again. All over again. That we might be filled all over again by your Spirit. As we move into the new year, as we, God, seek your face, I thank you that you're moving. Turn us upside down. Inside out. Change us from the inside out. Lord, we thank you. We praise you.